Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Growth Network. I'm Logan Schinholster, and instead of being joined by Alex today, I'm here with Tommy Mello. Tommy, how you doing, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, thank you. I appreciate you hopping on. And just to kind of kick it all off, give us your backstory. Who is Tommy Mello? And I guess why are you on the podcast? What do you what do you do? You know, I um I have a garage for a company and I've been working Really, really hard to grow the business. So I do garage doors. In 2006, I started. And it's just been taking off, man. 2010 was a great year. I got my mom and stepdad to join my team. And 2014, I got a friend of mine who's the COO to join the team. His name is Adam. And then we switched softwares in 2016 to Service Titan. Got out of the inventory game 2018. And bought this building, moved in here last year. It's an awesome building. And then about two years ago, I wrote this book, The Home Service Millionaire. Then I've got a podcast called The Home Service Expert, where I interview a lot of people that are more successful than me and find out what they're doing. So I'm obsessed with marketing and sales and became obsessed about a year ago with operations. And there's a lot bigger things out there for us as business owners once we really realize you know, I think a lot of us live on planet Earth. I tend to live in the solar system, but there's a whole galaxy <laughs> and beyond out there. So what does A1 do? Like when you say garage doors, like what exactly are you doing? We fix them, replace them, maintain them. Basically anything to do with the garage door going up and down, we handle. Most people don't understand. They're not passionate about what they do. A garage door is, it's the smile of your home. It's 40% of your curb appeal. It'll save you a lot of money. If you get an insulated garage door, as long as it's closed most of the time, um, Amazon could come, come deliver a product with a one-time code and they could leave it in your garage. Uh, it's the only thing on your home that gives 102% return on investment. So I'm just a really big fan and I believe in garage doors. I think they're going to be around for a long time. And it's really something you can't go without. People depend on them and they use them like their front door. How do you get into that? Because to me, like, I don't like until you just said that, there's not really that much sex appeal in, in a garage door, but how did you start? You know, I had a buddy that started working for a garage door company answering phones, and then I learned how to paint garage doors for that company. And I eventually ended up painting doors for 10 companies. And then I said, man, these guys are always busy. Let me see what this garage door business is all about. So I started a business with a buddy of mine, bought him out in 2010, and just have had catalyst after catalyst after catalyst to spark growth. And this pandemic, we really, we went through a lot of tough, tough days to decide. We basically pulled every single part of the org chart out and put every single person underneath there and ranked every single person. We looked at every piece of software. We used every single bill coming out and we made a lot of cuts and we got super resilient and super profitable. We didn't let anything go. We called customers and said, we will do anything to earn your business right now during this problematic time in, in history. We literally went to every place we had a lease and, and tried to bargain for half off. And we got about 10 of them to do it before the whole PPP or any of this stuff. So we went really deep. We started doing way more projects. We said, if we're not as busy right now, it's time to uh, roll out a bunch of new projects, some innovations. Let's progress our software. Let's do everything. And that's what we did. And that's why. You know, right now, I would say by the end of this year, we'll be doing double what we did this year. Um, and last year, we're just murdering those numbers. Every single month, March, April, May, June, July, 
have set a record. It teeter-totter straight up. I mean, not teeter-totter, just is a straight line like this. And with these projects that you're doing, is that what's really the, the back end of this growth? Or is there something else? You know, like I told you before, we, we decided to do a lot of marketing when everybody pulled out of marketing. We got really lean. And I think that's part of it. A lot of people focused on their revenue instead of their profit. So we really started focusing on profit, getting a lot of money put in the bank. That was a big piece. And then, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people kind of go lie under a bridge when things are bad. We, we decided to get really busy with these projects. And for example, we're, we're really building out a, a really, really explosive LMS learning management system that's going to help us to bring on people and get them kind of into our culture and understand what, as they're an apprentice for a technician, they're going to learn a lot more through the LMS. So I got that. Um, we expanded our training center. So now it's about 50 doors instead of 20. So that got built. Uh, we've got two full-time recruiters. We're getting three more. We've got two full-time trainers. We're getting three part-time guys. We just brought in another full-time guy. So three full-time trainers. I think the future means hiring A players and making them A players and keeping them A players and keeping them at the company. So we're bringing on, actually, it's kind of funny because I'm bringing on a, a big brother role right now. And the big brother role is the glue. They are to work on manuals, use manuals and embrace manuals. The job is to be a cheerleader. Work at accomplishing individual goals for technicians and CSRs. Help come up with contests and create accountability. I'm also hiring a Zoom role that their whole job is to jump on Zoom. Their outreach, they jump on the phone with realtors, custom builders, property managers, HOA presidents, influencers, people who pull permits, exterior designers, handyman, pest control, painters, so affiliate marketing. Go to market coordinator. Their job is they got the planning and foresight. They're going to make sure we have all of our licensing, insurancing, tax stuff, hiring, training, trucks, office, Google My Business, advertising. Then I've got my success, market success coordinator. They get it handed off and they're working. These roles, as you start growing, are intricate. And I think a lot of people try to do the same thing when they get to 10 technicians. To get to 10 to 50, you got to bring on more roles. To get for me to get to 150 to 1500, I'm building the infrastructure to where no single manager or coordinator or project lead will have more than five direct reports. And we're starting to be much more of a rifle shot. This is what they focus on and do. I still feel like I'm in the fetal stages. You know, we're going to do over 50 million this year. That's nothing. I really think we're not even on the map yet. We're not even trying yet. We're building the infrastructure. My goal is to get to recruit 70 technicians a month. That's my plan. And that'll start here. And right now we're getting 30 to 40 a month. We'll, by, by the next quarter, we'll be getting 50 to 60. By the beginning of next year, we'll have 70 new technicians a month and a place for them. 10 years ago, 2010, when you buy your partner out, did you know this is where you would be in 10 years? I always knew I was going to be successful and I always knew I was going to push the limit. I always knew no matter what, if I try hard and practice enough, I could be good at anything. That was in the back of my mind. But I'd say two years ago, instead of 100 million, which I have written on my mirror, I switched it to a billion. Every time I walk out of the shower, you see it heat the fogged up, even if it gets erased, the billion. So mm -hmm. the fact is writing that number down, a billion sounds great, but how am I going to get there? I figured out exactly how to get there in five years or less and did all the math, all the equations and figured out what has to happen today, what has to happen this week, next week, and this month. 
quit thinking about what you got to do this year and this this next three years. Think about what needs to happen today and start doing it. You got to think like a billion dollar company. You got to go visit billion dollar companies. And once you do that, it becomes easier and easier and easier. Go visit who you want to become. That's my best advice. Where'd you learn all this? Because most contractors as a whole, I mean, they got a job right now and they're like, well, I'm working right now. I don't need a market. I can stop doing everything because I'm already busy right now. You're planning for the future. Is this something that just naturally came to you or did you hire a coach and they kind of said, Tommy, look, man, we got to look to the future and then reverse engineer that and figure out what we got to do today. I mean, where's all this come from? You know, I really, I always say BYB, better your best. I don't think anybody told me to do a billion. I've always said I want to be the biggest garage for a company. But the longer and longer I've seen, I've, I've hired a lot of consultants, all great. The people that I ended up working with for a while, they still look at me like that's a fictitious number. Like I just pulled that number out of nowhere. But I read a lot of books. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I still, I listen to a ton of books. I buy new books every day. I've got books everywhere in my office. I pick up at least five new books a week. I don't read every single one of them that week. I've got a lot of them in the hopper, but I think that setting a huge goal, but more, more importantly is living and breathing that every day, every single person knows that at the company, they know that's where we're going. They understand that they can move up the ladder. It's good for everybody. So I'd say I wouldn't have said a billionaire, a billion dollars 10 years ago, but I would have said definitely in the tens, if not hundreds of millions. So to get to this billion dollar mark, you got to obviously grow big time. And one of the lessons that I've read was that threes and tens, meaning when you get to $3 million, whatever got you there, that whole system is going to be broken by the time you get to 10 million and then 10 to 30, 30 to, to 100. So for some reason, and same with employees, to get to three employees, what you got to do to get there is different than 10 employees, which is different than 30. Did you kind of find that along the way is as you've scaled this quickly that what worked to get you to a certain point just no longer works and you got to totally pivot or kind of walk me through your path with that in mind? You know, I, what I've learned is no more than five direct reports. And I learned you got to build leaders. We've changed dramatically. And what I think the main important thing is, is we, I don't have people doing more than one task. I think the problem is we used to have this person that used to be good at three or four, wear four or five different hats. And now I'm like, maybe they're not going to stay busy the full t- amount of time, but they could, they're going to grow into that role. And they got to be very, very lean. They've got to get really good at it. So, I think what we have could take us well into a couple hundred million. What I've started doing is bringing on stronger and stronger players. You know, my COO started at $45,000 a year. Now he's going to make a quarter million dollars plus. But I can afford now to pay people more money to get the higher level people to see the trends and analyze and dig in and find out why this market's not as profitable and find out where we could grab a few percent here and there. You had 3%. I mean, look, if you're at 16%, let's just say 17%, you get a 20%. 3% of $50 million, it's $1.5 million. It adds $1.5 million to the bottom line. So you get someone in that can find 3%, and trust me, when you get into a company doing big numbers, it's not hard to find a percent here and a percent there. And I don't look at marketing. I used to be in the lead generation and all about marketing. Now I'd say I probably, COVID has taught me one thing, focus on the people. I know that one all-star CSR will make a million dollars more for the company. I know that one great tech could go from 300000 to $1.5 of, of revenue and be a lot more profitable. 
I've learned what a good manager could do an A player versus a B or C player. So the, the marketing comes easy because the marketing is a derivative of the revenue. Think about it. If you spend 10% on marketing, that means I get to spend $5 million. When you get a better conversion rate, happier customers, leaving more reviews, giving more referrals, I mean, it's easier. And it becomes easier to recruit with A players because they're always out there looking. So I used to get mad and not understand. I'm like, how are you going to get all the leads if, you got, if you're hiring that many people? But the leads come. They get great reviews. They ask for referrals. They, they door knock on the street, say, we just took care of your neighbor. Can we check your garage for up? They're just go-getters. And that's the difference is instead of becoming a lead machine like I was, now I'm a people machine that create leads. And we still do a lot of leads, but the people help create the leads. It's a beautiful thing. So walk me through that from a culture perspective of the company. You used to be all about lead, lead, lead. And now it's like, let's just focus on the people because if you focus on them, everything else comes around. So how does this change the culture of the company or has that always been there? It's just now that this is really more at the forefront. Well, I'd say our internal customers are our employees and now we focus on culture. We really want them to be listened to. We want them to have a voice in the company. We want them to know the score all the time, which are their key performance indicators. We want them involved. We want them to have fun. We've got Big Buck Hunter. We've got Golden Tea here. We've got a ping pong table. We've got we play bags. We've got uh, foosball, air hockey. We, we've got, you could dunk the trainer. One of those things, you throw the ball out, it dunks them. Those are all costs, but we, we, we bring in lunch. We bring it. Today, we have fajitas coming in. Uh, last week, we had a huge breakfast we company paid for. We're bringing in this really, really nice deluxe $5,000 coffee espresso machine. Makes anything. Snicker-flavored coffee, Butterfinger-flavored. I mean, it just does anything you want. And all this stuff is great, but ultimately, we just want to show that, that we care about you. We're bringing in someone to talk about homeownership, someone talking about investment, someone talking about getting out of debt. We bring these people in to make their lives better and make them appreciate their families more. So what I found is when you create this culture and it's fun, literally everybody enjoys coming in on Monday. Our internal customers are happy. It makes our external customers happy. They've got a stake in the outcome. They're always thinking about what we can do better. They've always got great ideas. And it's become a living organism. And it was like, you know, everybody cared before, but now it's like next level. I had one of my guys, he's been here 10 years today. He won employee of the month for the first time ever. And he goes, Tommy, this place, he goes, I've not seen anything like this before. And I've worked for a lot of companies before you. He goes, the caliber of people are just, exponentially better because i don't understand he goes they're funny they're they're fun to hang out with they've got a great sense uh, of humor but they're, they're smart and they're going to be killer at, at any role you could put them in and i said yeah it's just we're really about the people now we've got a great system to get the people and i think our system is far by none the best it's better than bank of america's and wells fargo and not what we do to recruit recruiting is become right at the top of the company to grow and when you recruit, are you looking for people who are already technicians with 15 years under their belt? Or are you looking more right, you know, like younger, more entry level people and trying to build them up from there? I don't want anybody that's from the industry. I want to find somebody young, willing, and able. They're going to go through a lot of stuff to get a job here. They do a, a, an automated interview through Spark Hire, then they get put into a system, and then they, they got to take a predictive index test, then they got to take a, a cognitive test. Then they got to do a one-on-one -on -one interview through Spark Hire, which is kind of like, you know, go to meeting or any of the other tools that record. And then they've got to do a ride along and another in-person interview with the manager out in that market. 
the ride along is tough because we're observing everything, how well they listen, how clean they are, how much they run their cell phone. Do they smoke? Were they dressed for success? Were they on time? How did their car look? Was it clean? Was the interior clean? Then they got to take a background drug test. They got to be an apprentice for three weeks. Then they come to Phoenix for four to six weeks to train. My trainer's role are to weed out the bad, and they're very, very good at it. They just sent two people home last week. And then they've got to get a second pair of eyes for the first six months on every job they do. So to make it here, it's a pretty big thing to get through the training here and actually make it. So, you know, there are A-plus players that come out of here. And, and it's hard for companies to compete because my guys make happier customers. They sell more. They convert more. And they get more referrals. And it's hard to compete with that. I mean, what? how can people compete? I can afford to do billboards. I can afford to do TV. I can afford four monitors here and cold air conditioning and to do nice things like buy breakfast and lunches. People say, well, you charge too much. Well, no, I don't because my customers are happier than yours. They've got a better warranty. We're using better parts. We're driving new vehicles. We've got better mm -hmm. tools. See, everybody thinks charging the customer is wrong, but it's not wrong. You know, there's certain people that want to go to a nice steak dinner. They'll spend $250 on dinner with their wife. Other people won't spend more than 25 bucks. That's uh, that's fine. I know the steakhouse I go to, if I'm not on a reservation, it's got a two-hour wait. So to think that people don't beg and want an amazing experience with an amazing person, with an amazing company, it's just they're they're stupid and they're idiots. And they have no right to be in business. And, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put all of them out of business. So if they're listening and they think being the cheapest is the best, I'm coming to your market soon. Please keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. Hey guys, if you're looking to grow your business, make sure you head over to contractorgrowthnetwork.com. Learn all about everything that we can do. Websites right now are the hot thing. Everybody's at home. Get on it because this is the new way that people are buying today. Contractorgrowthnetwork.com. I want to go back to this hiring thing because your process is like, I mean, I've read how Google hires and they used to have it where like they had to have like a unanimous yes. Otherwise, you'd keep going through interviews and stuff. But for you, you're finding these eight players, you're putting them through the ringer. How are you finding them initially? Are you just going to like high schools? Because like hiring right now is like everybody complains, oh, there's no good workers out there. I'm a big believer that you just do a really shitty job of, of training people. And that's why they end up leaving in you know, a few months. But where are you finding these people that you're then taking and turning them into these A players? Well, let me ask you a question. What does recruiting mean to you? Well, recruiting means to me to actively go out and seek out people to bring into your business. So would you say recruiting means posting it on Craigslist and Indeed? Well, I'm a little bit biased because I used to work as an inside sales rep at Indeed. So I come from that world. But to me, I don't. I, I see recruiting more as like not poaching, which is a negative term, but like actively going out and trying to bring people into your organization versus letting them come to you. So that's exactly what I wanted. Thank God you said that perfectly because you got to go out and get it. You got to go out. You got to find people that are already working that are a player somewhere else. And you got to give them a better why, which is your why of why they should work for you. And when your employees become recruiters, that every time they go to a gas station, every time they go out to eat and see a busboy that's kicking butt, every time they get a FedEx or Amazon package delivered and they speak to that person who's going out of their way to make you a happy customer, they're reaching out saying, well, I mean, I get haircuts. I had a girl that cuts, used to cut my hair work for me. So it's going out there and getting it, number one. Number two is 
so many people will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on advertising, but they'll spend $150 a month on getting great people. I want to be on every job board. So I think job boards work, but they're not the number one place to go. But more importantly, you know, we speak at colleges. We talk, we try to go live all the time on Facebook and we try to have people actively reach out to their friends. What right now I'm working on an affiliate tracking tool influencers. So there's a cute girl on Instagram, pretend or TikTok or whatever. They got 34,000 followers. You get them to be anybody that gets hired that comes through their channel, which is trackable. They make a thousand dollars. So you go out there and you find all these affiliates to help you recruit. You go out there. I do the predictive index. I've got an unlimited use to it for well over 20 grand. I paid per year. People want to find out what kind of personality they have. And if they could do it for free and they're in the segment I want between 20 to 29 years old, you let them take the test for free. If they're the perfect PI I'm looking for for that role, I'm going to reach out to them and I'm going to say, listen, I really think you do amazing here. Are you happy where you're at? No or yes. And if so, if you're happy, you should still learn about us and see if it's a good place because we're moving, we're growing so fast. There's a lot of opportunities for a very nice career. And I'm willing to give you a sign on bonus if you'd even consider coming over. Is there any chance I could fly you out or bring you into Phoenix to just check it out for a day or two, or at least do a ride along in your market you're in to see if it's up your alley? I want 500 applicants a day coming in. That's my goal, just for the technicians. So this really sounds like this is more of like an identity for the company. It's not just like we put an ad out there and we just siphon out we don't who we don't want. This is kind of like, I think like Sandler teaches this with selling where it's like, if you're sitting next to somebody at a bar, you just strike up a conversation and you mentioned, this is what I do. This is kind of what you guys are doing with recruiting where your people or your recruiters are never really off the clock. They're always kind of got an eye on, well, that bus boy had done a great job so far. Let me just strike up a conversation and see what their aspirations are. Well, my employees get $1,500 if they recruit somebody. So they're, what's in it? They're, you know, well, I got a guy that recruited 10 guys over the last two months. He's going to get 15 grand because of that. If we win, they win and vice versa. That's, that's you know, my all my technicians got call tracking numbers. So they hand out their business card with their tracking number. Someone calls, they get 10% of that. Well, that's a, I've never heard of somebody using a call tracking number in that way. Oh, yeah. That, I've got how did you come up with that? Well, I've got 4,300 call tracking numbers. I said, I've got unlimited use of them. Why not use them for our technicians? Why not have them out there generating jobs? And a lot of them, they'll go, they'll go hand their cards off to the neighbors. A lot of them hand them off at a gas station. They'll go around, they'll pass them out and say, listen, I don't know if you're going to need garage door work anytime soon, but if you do, I want to take care of you. And I teach these guys to be basically marketers. Instead of marketing your own company, let me handle all the crap. Let me handle the hard stuff like the taxes, the culture, the hiring the systems, the HR. There's so many things that go into business, the marketing, the, the shirts, the trucks. Why don't you go out and generate a ton of business? Even if someone else fulfills it, get paid on it. Now you've got a business in a box. You can make a ton of money. And I don't care if you make a ton of money. Shit, if you make 500 grand, I'm good with it because I know I did good because all of our structures are paid for performance to, to make sure the company does good and the individual could do great. So with you, do you have, I mean, I know you said everybody has a number. So do you have like some sort of commission structure for everybody where it's like, if you, I know you have the 10%, but if you knock out this many doors a month, you get a bonus of this. Like, I guess, can you kind of like shed a little bit of light on just, I guess this whole pay for performance mentality? Well, for example, my CSRs get paid on four major things. One of them, the big one is booking rate. 
So their percentage booking. And then it's on their attendance Monday and Tuesdays. They got to be attended because that's the day they miss and it's our busiest day. The next one is empathy on the phone. We test one out of 10 calls. And the next one is data accuracy to make sure they repeated the information three times. So when that comes into play, they make around $8 for a booked call. So they're booking four calls per hour. They can make $32 an hour or minimum wage. We have to pay the minimum wage. So they get either or they don't get both. So you got to find out what four or five things that you need this role to do and get them on a performance pay because I'll just tell you this, hourly and salary employees with no performance pay never do the best they could do. You're not getting them to the best of their ability. And if you don't have someone that desires to be number one is competitive that wants to try, they're not going to work for my company because they hate performance pay. They can't make it here. And they're great. I, I invite them to go work for my competitors because that's just another one up I'm going to have. When you get someone that's fine that says, no, 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 I'd much rather have salary than commission. What I want to know is, is your commission fair? And it, I don't like the word commission because commission only depends on percentage of the job. I don't, that's not how my, I work, but we're going to use that term for this. If you tell me you pay fair commission and you showed me how it works, I choose commission over anything every day. Don't limit how much I can make by a salary or hourly. Give me a way to win the game and win big. And I don't mind. I got a guy that's going to make over 200 grand this year as a tech, but he's got businesses. He's got people calling him left and right. He's recruiting people. He's found five ways to make money within the company. So with someone like that, how do you, I don't want to use the term golden handcuff, but if he's got effectively his own mini business within the business, how do you keep him around? How do you keep him happy to not want to go out and just start something else? Uh, you know, these guys that work for me, they understand they're good at one thing. I've allowed them to be the king of what they are. I, I try not to let the left in hand talk too much, but I don't mind. I, I, I also don't try to keep secrets. I think the difference is you keep them very, very happy and you talk to them mm -hmm. about goal setting. And, you know, I think some of these guys feel really loyal. They, we brought them up. We've trained them. We've had them sign paperwork like non-competes, non-disclosure agreements, non-solicitation, which won't really hold them if they wanted to go do their own thing. But They've seen enough people go try to start their own business and understand that we're marketing machines. We've got a lot more roles, better technology stacks, or just we're more of a technology company that does garage doors. And I think that's hard to duplicate because we've spent a lot of money on custom programming to get where we are today. And we're spending, I'd say, an average of $30,000 a month on for developing our systems. And that's not even our CRM. Those are outside things that talk to our CRM. And then I'm spending another... 15 grand on SEO a month, which people say that's crazy. Yeah. But I also hear on the other end where people, they, they spend 150 bucks a month on SEO and they got nowhere and they get mad that SEO doesn't work and it is what it is. So you've got this wealth of knowledge, you know, you've been doing this for over a decade. And then how does home service millionaire come into all this? I mean, are you on this podcast, are you dropping everything that you've learned into the stratosphere? Like walk me through like what made you really want to start the podcast and write the book? Oh, so the book, no one told me to write a book. I just decided, man, I wish I had a book when I first started this business. I didn't know anything. So I wrote this book and it wasn't published or anything. So I, I had a few friends read it and it has pictures and everything in it. And, and then <laughs> I decided it's not good enough. So I re I took a lot of that book and I restarted. And uh, this is the book I came out with. It's got 12 contributors, home service millionaire, how I went from $50,000 in debt to $30 million in business over seven years. 
Now we're going to pass 50. This was 2018. So I've got everything in here. I got the CEO of Alpac with the blue coupons talking about mailers. I've got the COO of Home Advisor, the CEO of Service Titan. You're going to learn how to do financial quick checks. You're going to learn how to hire A players. You're going to learn how to keep your employees happy. You're going to learn things about manuals and key performance indicators. You're going to learn about finding your why and why not working for somebody isn't strong enough. And then the Home Service Expert podcast was probably one of the biggest things for me to grow. It was like, I get to talk to really, really huge home service business owners and really best sellers. And I get to ask them anything I want. And I try to take at least one to three gold nuggets out of every podcast I do. And I try to implement them fast. And I'm not talking change the whole game. I'm saying just get better at what we're doing. And sometimes people will drop a software and it's a cheap one to help us get reviews like BirdEye. Sometimes people say this one is like a secret shopper thing to keep, make sure that everybody's, there's always eyes. And there's so many things out there. What the podcast helps me to do is learn more. I'm a student for life. I got to tell you, I, I learned more from the podcast. I wouldn't say I'm there to give. I'm there for everybody to listen, but I, I guess I'm selfish in a way because I learn a lot at the same time. So that's, that's why I do the podcast and I wouldn't trade the podcast for the world. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm selfish in the way I'm trying to do a free Facebook group, the home service expert, where I'm getting every industry to combine under one roof and share certain tactics and strategies to win. And it's giving more and more value. But I think within the next year, people are going to go there and it's just going to change their companies. And I, I do think everybody should be able to make more than just a living in the home service space. You should be able to build a business that's sellable instead of trying to make a living. Your business should not be to make a living. If it is, you should work for someone else. If you if you want to make a living, go work for somebody else. It's half the problems. And you can work 10 years and not have anything left. You can get your house taken away. You can go bankrupt. If your goal is to have a living, simply work for someone else. If you want to create something that's worth value, that's going to be self-fulfillment, that's going to take blood, sweat, and tears, then start a business. I'm all for people to go out and do what I did. But they just expect a lot more. They they feel, don't ever feel like a victim if you start a business. You sign up for this. I wish I had like a gold scroll that you have to read about the friendships you're going to lose and the relationships that you're going to struggle. And it's going to be tough to be a great mom or dad for a little bit. But is it worth it? Absolutely. But it's not for everybody. Yeah. I, I listened to uh, Marcus Sheridan. He was talking about one time that everybody who's, like, who's a contractor that says, well, I don't want to market or sell. I just want to build. And he said, the second that you started a business was the second that you gave up all the rights to say you're not going to do all these other things because that's exactly what you're signing up for when you're starting your own business. So yeah, spot on. So just to kind of wrap it all up, where's a good place for everybody to connect with you? I know you have the podcast and the book, but you mentioned a Facebook group. Yeah. Home service expert. It's online. If there's some questions we asked, we're trying to only let smart people that, that give, give a crap in that actually have a business. So that's a good spot. Or you can email me at a1leadmanager at gmail.com. And I'm always open to meet people. I love it. If anybody ever wants to come visit here, we're located in Phoenix, Arizona. Right now with the COVID thing, it's been tough, but we're, we're killing it, man. I mean, wh when everybody stops doing something, it's time for you to do it and vice versa. When everybody jumps in, it's time for you to get out. So I want to just say one more thing. There's a whole new dimension that I plan on becoming as far as the CEO, and that's I'm pulling myself out of the operations and learning more about investors and about tax strategy and about acquisitions. And if you want to build a company that's worth several billion dollars, you certainly can flow into that hybrid of a person. So 
I need to know what's going on day to day. So my ultimate goal is to move from where I'm at today, which I just ran two meetings earlier before this. My plan is to move to this next level of CEO to where I'm not going to ever pay taxes again next year, personally or with my company. I won't pay any taxes. It's crazy. And I can tell you this, I'm going to be an acquisitions machine. And my acquisitions have nothing to do with me getting to a billion. Absolutely nothing. It's not an acquisition play. That adds another 1.6 billion. So I'll be 2.6 billion with my acquisitions. Now at 20%, now I love this, at 20%, which is somewhere around a little over 500 million, 500 million, I'll be at a 15 times multiplier, which is seven and a half billion dollars. Now, I don't know if I can live on that, but I'm going to try. <laughs> but I love, I, love, I love talking about this stuff. It's not about the numbers. It's about the vision. And if you're really going to truly have a vision to hit these numbers, you've got to be able to work backwards and reflect and think what needs to happen to get there. And I'm just afraid that most people don't have that talent, that muscle, that muscle memory to do that. But they need to start. Look, some people don't have the time or patience. They, they'd rather be $3 million. And I, I'm all about that. Trust me, there's people out there and I, I'm happy for them and they're successful. And you know what? They're great. And I admire that. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but have a goal and be able to look backwards to get it. I think that's my main point. Cool. Perfect ending on that. Tommy, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate being here. Thank you. Thank you.